Amen. Morning, everyone. So good to see you. So good to be back in the mothership here. Um, We are looking, as you know, at the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's an important thing. It's an easy thing to take for granted. You think, well, we know the Lord's Prayer. We know what it entails. We know the the kind of the bare bones of it. Um, It's basic. It's the kind of thing that you teach kids or it's things that are there for school assemblies. But actually, the Lord's Prayer is a devotional lifestyle uh, practice given to us so that not only do we pray well, but that we form stronger relationship with Father God and that we are able to learn truths. There's some truths that you cannot get any other way except through praying them. Some stuff that as you pray it and as you meditate upon it, it becomes part of your DNA. It seeps into your bloodstream. So we're going through um, the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we'll take a look at that together. So why don't we just, I've missed um, the rest of the series. Um, It'd be good to go through the whole thing together, then we're focusing on our one particular verse. So if we can read this together, all out loud, as it comes on screen. If you're watching online at home, read this with us as well. Let's read together. This is the Lord's Prayer. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Give us this day our daily bread. If we ever needed to know a prayer about God's provision, it's now. If we ever needed to know that God was able to supply our needs, it's now in the teeth of an economic crisis, a cost of living crisis, inflation hitting 10% and showing no signs of slowing down. Every time that you go to the supermarket to fill up your basket for your weekly shop, things have gone up, things are more expensive. The threat of loss of job, the threat of an unstable global environment where the kind of securities that we were taking for granted before are no longer there. If ever we needed to know that God can provide, it is now. You go to the petrol station, you fill up your car, and you just don't even dare to look because it is so awful. How many of you used to just go places, you'd just put the key in the car, drive along the road, not a care, not a consideration. Now it's like a budgetary decision. You think, do we go there or do we go here? Kate and I were were going for a little break over August. You know, it's modest. We're not going overseas. Uh, We're just going a little city break. But we literally, we sat down and we said, how far can we go in the car? Because otherwise it's going to cost so much. How many of you, put your hands up right now, feel a certain level of anxiety over cash and provision in your household right now? Put your hands up. How many of us, don't put your hands up for this, you can put your hands down, but let me ask you the question. How many of us are beginning to feel a level of anxiety and worry and fear and just crippling uncertainty about what the future holds? Give us this day our daily bread. There's so much of the Bible 
uh, that I have been getting into over the last two, three years as we have gone through pandemic and as we have gone through global crisis, as we have gone through the dismantling of the kind of the beautiful, pretty Starbucks world that we had created. So much of scripture now seems to me more relevant than it ever did before. For many of us, give us this day our daily bread is kind of like a kid prayer. It's like a, a, like a theoretical prayer, but it's not really a heartfelt prayer. But now we find ourselves in a situation where we're saying, God, keep us safe from pestilence and plague. God, provide the need that we have. And Jesus, when he gives his disciples this prayer, he says, I want you to pray through the bones of this. I want you to talk and pray about God's goodness, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want you to pray about God's kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want you to pray for your need. Give us this day our daily bread. Then pray for your sin. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. And then pray for the help of God. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God's goodness, God's kingdom, my need, my sin, God's help. These are the ways in which we should pray. Every day praying. This is the way in which I've prayed all of my Christian life. Praying through those basic structures. God's goodness, God's kingdom on earth. My needs, my sin, God's help. But when we focus in on this one simple verse, the more that we pray and the more that we allow it to inform our spirituality, the more powerful it becomes. And I want to break it down into three parts. Give us this day our daily bread. First part is give us. Everyone say give us. Give us. It's weird because you'd think that in a prayer that God is giving us and inviting us to go into, you'd think that it would be done the other way around. It's God's goodness, God's kingdom, my need, my sin, God's help. You'd think, now if I was doing it, if I was doing it, I would make it so that it was God, God's power, God's awesomeness, and then my sin. Oh, holy God, forgive me my sin. I am but a wretched sinner crawling before you, worthy of nothing but your disdain and judgment, oh God. But would you forgive me? And then when I prayed for God's will to be done, then maybe there would be a crumb for me to get. But it's not. God invites us to ask him, give me, give us, before we even confront our sin. It's not a requirement that you are holy, righteous, perfect Christian. You drink milk from a Christian cow. You're perfect in everything that you do. Jesus says, before you even worry about the sin and the stuff that you feel shame and brokenness and regret over, I want you to come into a relationship with God where you can say, just give me the things that I need. Give me my daily bread. And there's not even the magic word. Please, there's not any kind of magic word, which is what we have in religion. Religion says, give me this and I will give you that. Give me this because I serve you in this way. I will sacrifice for you. I will do some religious observance for you. But it's none of that. It's simply give. It's an expression of childlike trust. And as I pray this prayer, as we pray this prayer, we begin to activate our muscles to trust our Heavenly Father. Uh, we've got two girls, 
um, all grown up now, in fact, different parts of the world. But um, our youngest, when she was three years old, Isabel, she was just tremendously of another world. She was pink and fluffy and clouds and unicorns and princesses. And at that, she's kind of a little bit like that today. She takes after her mother. But um, I remember when she was three years old, and we're trying to teach our children how to pray. You can trust God. And so I'm putting her to bed, and we have read the story. And then I say, okay, Isabel, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask Jesus um, for our prayers to be answered. What would you like to pray for? Isabel looks me dead in the eye. She's three years old. She says, Daddy, I would like to pray that God can make me live in a real castle, like a real princess. I would like to live in a real castle. Now, those of you that are parents, which is a lot of you here, you know this is like, oh dear, this is a parenting emergency. Because you've just tried to teach your child about prayer, but now they've prayed something that is ridiculous and impractical and never going to happen. So how do you square that circle? How do you make sure that your kid has an understanding of, I can pray and I can ask Jesus to do stuff, but also weird stuff like that is just not going to happen? My answer is, okay, this is what we're going to do, Isabel. Why don't you pray that prayer? And then I'll say amen. Because obviously if I pray the prayer, then my parental kind of authority is undermined when the prayer isn't answered. So I let her pray. And then when it doesn't happen, well, that's because you're so little and you can't really pray very good. But don't worry, um, there'll be other, other things in the future. But Isabel, she takes it and she says, dear God, please help me to be able to live in a real castle like a real princess. And I say, amen, and then have a little debrief with Kate afterwards. The very next morning, the very next morning, email comes into my inbox. It is an invitation from the Methodist Church in Northern Ireland. And they say, dear Mr. Gennardu, we would like to invite you to come and speak at our summer camp that happens in August in two months' time. It happens in a venue outside of Belfast called Castle Wellen. It is an 18th century baronial castle and we would like to invite you to come and speak at the conference and allow your family to live in the castle. I tell you what, the next evening I'm praying with Isabel. Okay, Isabel, mummy would like a new car. I need a laptop. This is a picture of Isabel in the castle. And suddenly I'm learning something about trusting a father. Because for me, this is, is trivial. This is below God's dignity. But when we are invited to pray, give us this day. Give us. We're invited to enter into a relationship with father. You need to know how much you are Loved. If you're not sure about faith, if you're a little bit on the outside looking in, if you're maybe trying to get your way and navigate your way back into faith after a bit of a rocky ride these last few years, you just need to know this is the biggest thing that I can say in any message. God loves us so much more than we realize. In Metro, we're doing a series right now uh, on Ephesians, just going through it one chapter at a time. But when it came to Ephesians chapter 3, it pretty much knocked me uh, flat on my face. Because Paul, when he prays in Ephesians chapter 3, 
He says, I pray that you would know how high and how deep and how long and how wide is the love of Christ. And he, he says, I pray that you'd have power to grasp with all the saints how high and long and wide and deep is this love. And I pray that you'd be able to know the love that surpasses knowledge. You say, well, how can I know a love that surpasses knowledge? That's, that's just a, it's a paradox. It, it, it doesn't make sense. But Paul says, yeah, nonetheless, I pray for it. And the reality is this, our biggest problem, our biggest problem as believers is not your persistent habitual sin. Our biggest problem is you don't know the Bible well enough. Our biggest problem is you don't have enough faith. That's not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem as believers is you don't fully realize just how much God loves you. Because if you understood the surpassing love that God has for us, it would change everything. It would change your attitude. It would change your emotional disposition. It would impact you and affect you in incredible, infinitesimal, multitudinous ways. It would do incredible things to our outlook. Just to know how much God loves us. And when I say, God, would you give me I'm saying to my father, give me something good. Give me good things. And my father is saying to me, I want you to ask me. I want you to look to me. I want you to trust me. I want you to know that I am able to give you good things. Give us. It's about trusting God. But secondly, it says this. This day. Everyone say, this day. So give us is about me trusting my father, but this day is about my circumstances. You know, the funny thing about this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, is that it's put in the Lord's prayer, which is how I'm supposed to pray all the time. In other words, provision and asking God to give me what I need is not some in case of emergency break the glass kind of prayer. It is a regular, everyday kind of prayer. This is not an emergency prayer. This is not like when i am got my back to the wall, when I'm in deep trouble, when I'm in real need, when I hit a crisis, then I pray this prayer. Give us the, 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 the daily bread that we need. This is a prayer for this day and every day and any day. This is a prayer that I pray when I am doing well. This is a prayer that I pray when I am absolutely desperate. You know, when Paul wrote to the Philippian church, he was looking to talk to them about finances. But he says, look, it's not like I need anything. He says, I've learned to be content in any circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry. I know what it is to live in plenty, and I know what it is to be in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance, every situation. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says to us, I want you to get into a habit, a practice of reaching out and asking for God to provide for every single circumstance. This is not just for when things are difficult. This is for every circumstance. Every day, there's a way in which God wants to be providing for me, supplying my need. And there's a, there's a, um, there's a habit, there's a practice that we need to get into. The reason that some of you don't have faith for God to supply your needs when times are tough is because you've never seen him supply your needs when times 
were good. You just haven't got the muscle memory for it. You haven't got the backstory for it. You haven't stored up the secret history. And that's what we're invited into. We're invited to have a kind of faith where Jesus is continually giving us what we need for any day, well-fed or hungry, in need or in plenty. I grew up in church, and part of the thing that I picked up, and I'm not quite sure how I picked it up or why I picked it up, but it was a kind of feeling that God wanted me just to be always in need, or God was only, you know, really concerned about when it was emergency stuff or real need for provision. You know, my idea of God giving good things in every circumstance, every day, this day as well as that day, it just wasn't there. But I remember that God just began to teach me stuff. A few years ago, Kate and I, we were celebrating uh, 15 years. It wasn't even 15 years of being married. It was 15 years of me being in love with Kate. Uh, it's all soppy. Uh, but I, I know the day that I fell in love with her, and I, I just calculated 15 years on. And I wanted to do this thing, 15 years of loving Kate. And uh, because I'm a hopeless romantic, I made a little spreadsheet. And uh, the spreadsheet had like a list of things to do on each day for 15 days. 15 days for 15 years of loving Kate. Every day, a present. Every day, a card. The card would say something lovely, romantic. It was all in the spreadsheet. And then there would be some kind of gift. Maybe it was flowers. Maybe it was a meal. Maybe it was a voucher saying, yes, yes, I will do my jobs around the house that I promised to do six months ago. But, you know, it's all stuff. And it was going so well. So well. We're day 12. And it's been going so well. And every day, a gift. Every day, a card. And then this day 13, everything fell apart. I was actually... um, uh, in work, doing my stuff, and I remember coming back, driving back uh, towards my house, um, and I had suddenly the horrible realization I'd forgotten today's thing. And today's thing on the spreadsheet was flowers. And uh, I'm thinking, I've got no way because I've got to get back. I've only got this small window. I've got stuff happening this evening. Uh, I just didn't have time to go out and get the flowers. And I was just really crushed and really disappointed because I wasn't able to. And I just had the card. I had the card all prepared and added this kind of nice rhyming couplet in. It was beautiful. No flowers. And I'm just thinking, and I'm sort of half praying, but not really praying. I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm really disappointed because I had this thing going so well, and now I've forgotten the flowers, and I can't get flowers. And I was, you know, it's, it's going to be 12 days of loving case. Not the same. And then as I drove in, I parked my car on my drive, and I saw something which I've never seen before, and I've never seen since. But as I drove my car, I just could not believe what I was witnessing because there, lent against our front door, was the largest, most extravagant bouquet of flowers I've ever seen in my life. I got out of the car. I picked up the flowers. Now, when I was saying flowers, I'm thinking, you know, bargain basement, carnations from the garage, you know, like normal. But this was like, flowers with names and uh, it was wrapped up in this beautiful paper it looked like it cost a hundred pounds and there was a bow and there was a card in it and the card it was from a church I was going to speak in this church Elam Church in Bristol 
on the Sunday. And it said, Dear Philip, we're so looking forward to you coming to speak. Here's some flowers. Um, you weren't in, so we left them on your doorstep. So I took the card, I threw it away. I put my card on it. And then I gave it to Kate when she came in. And it was the most romantic moment of our lives together before or since. But what I got out of it was actually this day, this provision, this day. And it was like God was saying to me, do you finally understand, Philip? I'm not just the God of famine relief. I'm the God of extravagance as well. Now, it's not that I expect that God would just bless me because I've, you know, done the right religious things. But I find that there's a loving God who wants to give his children good things. And something on that day broke in my, in my psyche. And I've never had a problem trusting God since. I used to, finance used to be my biggest kind of slip up in my, in my, in my psyche, in my Christian life. I would always get worried about it. But since that day, I never worried ever again because I thought man alive I didn't even pray for this I didn't even ask for it God just gave it to me he really does love me he really is good and he can provide us for every day that we have and then finally this the prayer says give us this day our daily bread everyone say our daily bread in other words this is to become a daily practice we do this daily I've had a, a bee in my bonnet about this verse for many, many years because I think most of us as believers, if you are a believer here, most of us, we don't need to pray the prayer, give us this day our daily bread because already our daily bread is taken care of. I actually think that we need to learn the art, the, the, the discipline, the devotion, the practice of being reliant on God for daily bread. And so again, Kate and I, we made it our choice to live lives that mean that we have to pray the prayer, Lord God, give us this day our daily bread, because if God doesn't provide for us, we're in trouble. And that means we give away more than we can afford. That's simple, right? It's just, it's just maths. It's God maths. We give away more than we can afford so that we get to pray the prayer, God, would you give us our daily bread? And our life together is, is a testimony of God's ridiculous, incredible provision. But this is the challenge that I want to give you. Now, some of you are saying, whoa, 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 Philip Gennardi, you're telling people to give in the middle of an economic cost of living crisis. How irresponsible is this? This is not right. This is, listen, you make your own decision. But as for me and my house, we want to give in such a way that it throws us on the mercy of God, Because I have seen again and again and again and again that God is able to supply my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That living a sacrificially generous life is not an idiotic move. It's the smart play. It's the play of a person that trusts in their God and has proven it time and time again. I proved it when I was 12 years old. I was in Nigeria visiting my family. We had a few months where I was living in the UK, going to school. My family were planting a church in Nigeria. It was my birthday, and I'd asked my parents to give me £10, which in those days was like a lot of money. It was like 
a lot of money. I'm, I'm super old. I'm older than I look. Actually, 89. But uh, in, when I was 12 years old, 10 pounds was a lot of money. But um, I was in Nigeria, and I guilted my parents. I said, this is what I want for my birthday. You're not going to be here because you're planting church. So you're going to pay. And you're going to give me the most generous present I ever had. I didn't want 10 pounds. I wanted a technical Lego set. The 1906 Rolls-Royce Silver Phantom, six-cylinder, 50-horsepower thing of beauty, sublime. And I wanted to make it in Lego. It cost 10 pounds. That's what you're going to have to pay, Mum and Dad. They gave me 10 naira, which is the Nigerian currency. And in those days, <laughs> it was one-to-one. Um, different story now, of course. So they gave me 10 naira. And my last um, night before leaving the, the Sunday morning the next day, my dad was preaching, and I'm there sitting in, and he's preaching in this wooden shack. But he preaches about building a church that will be a proper church, a proper concrete church that can house hundreds of people. And that this will be the very first church that we've built, literally built, in Nigeria. And uh, my father says, who's going to give? Who's going to give? And uh, I'm like, well, I've only got 10 naira, so I'm clearly out of this discussion. Um, and my dad says, we're going to start with pledges. Okay, who will pledge five naira? I'm like, dad, poof, you blew it. You went, you started too high. Uh, I could have given you one naira, but five naira is like half of everything I have. So I'm sorry, but I'm out. So I, I keep my hand down, a few people, five naira. Then he went up, who's going to give ten naira? I'm like, ten naira is all that I've got in the world. I'm not going to give ten naira. And then... Something frustrating happened. I just felt the spirit of the Lord God come upon me. And I just thought, oh man, this is who I want to be. I want to be someone who doesn't just read about stuff in the Bible, but sees God do stuff in my life. Oh, I'll never have that thing now. And I wept as I put my hand up, 10 naira. And I wept because I thought, why didn't I go up five? <laughs> I've got nothing now. I gave my 10 naira. The next morning, uh, it's church and I'm leaving after church, going to the airport. And uh, at the end of the service, I'm saying goodbye to people in the church and all these guys come up to me. One guy comes up to me, he says, ah, Philip, we are going to miss you. Shake me by the hand. And uh, so I shake him by the hand and then I feel something rustling in his palm. And as he pulls his hand away, there in my hand, 10 naira. And then another person came, I want to shake your hand, Philip. 20 naira. I went after that, shaking people's hands everywhere that I could find them. I walked out of there with 100 naira in my pocket. I never bought the toy, but my life was forever changed because I know that God can supply my daily bread. I've learned to rely on Jesus. I've learned that I can be generous. I've learned that I can literally, and it's not the last time that I literally gave away every single thing that I own. I've done it since, and I've seen that God has been able to supply. Give us this day our daily bread. Let us pray. Right now, there are some of you, and money worries are real. And actually what you need is just a sense of peace from your heavenly father and a sense of confidence that he's able to supply your need.
Some of you, you're looking for a job and God wants you to know that he has a job for you. That he's not forgotten you. You're not abandoned. You're not without hope. For others, it's, it's purely financial. You're worried about how you're going to meet the demands of these next weeks and months. But if any of you here, just right now, are feeling that sense of, I need God to step in and help me with my finance, with my anxiety over provision, the things that I need. I want, you to, I want to pray for you and I want you to just put up your hand um, and I'm going to pray that God would produce just a sense of faith and confidence and peace for us. So if you want to be included in that, just put your hands up or just have them raised in your lap, looking towards heaven. But let's look to God. Let's look to God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, right now, I pray a blessing of provision on this church. I pray for every single person that's reaching out to you. I pray in the name of Jesus, right now, for the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would know a release and a freedom that makes no sense, a peace that passes understanding. I pray that you would know what it is to live a sacrificial, generous life, to be cheerful givers, because you know that your God is able to supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that for us, you would give us the daily discipline, the devotional practice of calling out to you, throwing ourselves upon your kindness and your goodness. Lord, I pray that we'd be kings and queens living in castles. Lord, I pray that we would know that sense that my God cares for me. I pray, dear God, that you would do literal provision. And I pray in the name of Jesus, this week, for doors to open. Lord, for letters to come through the door. For unexpected provision. I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to receive from you. And I pray that as we are blessed, we'd bless others around us. Lord, would you supply our needs in Jesus' name? Amen. I'm going to invite the band just to uh, finish us up. But we'd love to pray with people. So if you've got, if you'd love just to take that a little bit further, particularly if you're one of those people in the job situation, I'd love to pray with you. But if you've got any other need, any other issue, then meet us over there just to the right, and we'd love to pray and see what God can do.